is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for Sunday, July 24, 2016. The Gospel is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. The message is by the Reverend Ernie Tracy. I want to ask you to do something difficult this morning. Oh, don't worry. You won't raise a sweat. Just got to get outdoors to do that. But I want you to try to, for a short period of time, take out of your memory banks the Lord's Prayer as you say it day after day, week after week, all that you have heard Jesus say in the Gospel of Matthew regarding prayer, not because any of that is wrong, but because we have heard it so often and it is so ingrained in us that we have a hard time listening to Luke or another gospel writer with his own distinctive emphasis. And so we miss something. So I know it will be tough, but I think you're up to it, and hopefully I am as well. Because I believe there's a reason why the Spirit led Luke to tell the story the way that he did. Now, of course, much is familiar. Uh, Luke's version is more condensed, maybe the Reader's Digest condensed version. And it leaves out the doxology at the end of the prayer, but really a lot of the early manuscripts of Matthew do too, so that's, that's not even a matter to quibble about. The substance is the same, but Luke puts it in a different setting. In Matthew, Jesus is teaching the crowds in the, that collected thing we call the Sermon on the Mount. In our Gospel this morning, one of Jesus' disciples comes to him when they are just by themselves and says, Lord, teach us to pray the way that John taught his disciples. It was common in those days for a rabbi, a religious teacher, to give his close followers a kind of community prayer which was distinctively theirs. So that when they prayed, they were, by that very act, giving testimony to the fact of, we are one together. And that very fact leads to the first thing I'd like for us to get out of this passage. And that is, that as Jesus teaches us to pray, he wants to reassure us that we never pray alone. Now, I know sometimes it feels like it, doesn't it? And sometimes there are details of our needs that no one else on the face of the earth knows about. But that's not necessarily a problem because God is able to take our prayers. And sometimes, if we try too much to share the details of our requests, our concerns with others, 
it can be, well, becomes a matter of too much information. It can even be embarrassing or dangerous to some folks. Uh, this is not a literal experience I have, but you could patch it together from some of the things I've heard at services where there were uh, verbal requests for prayer given. Uh, try, try this one on the side. Oh, Reverend, please pray for my granddaughter, Matilda. Why, she and her husband are having trouble. He beats her something awful, and you should have seen her after he came home last Sunday night drunk. He pulverized her. How much of that did God's people need to know in order to pray? A whole lot less, right? Certainly all the gory details, and it may even be that Matilda's name was not necessary to bring into the conversation. It is enough that if we want to tell the people of God we have a concern to say, pray for families in crisis and help them to find peace. The Spirit will fill in the blanks. And we don't, we don't need to worry. We avoid some problems that... Um, because remember, we're praying as a community. Whether there are one or two of us, or whether we're in a congregation of thousands, we don't pray alone. Second thing is, and for this we go... We need, to, uh, we need to look through the prayer very briefly. Uh, if we are to pray, Jesus gives us the kinds of topics that will constitute, constitute a good and effective prayer. Now, I know there are some theological quarters in which preachers and Bible scholars love to argue about did Jesus intend to give us a prayer which we would pray verbatim? Or did he intend to give us an outline? I believe the answer is yes. <laughs> now, isn't that simple? So let's take a look at that outline very, very briefly. Hallowed be your name. Is there anything for which God's people ought to be more concerned than that God's name should be honored, that his reputation should be great, so that people will be moved to love and trust him and join us in saying, how great is our God? Following right on that is the request, your kingdom come. Do we want God's rule to come in its fullness? Do we want everything on earth to be done that is His will as it is now in heaven? Is that what we want? I certainly hope so. So that's what we pray for. And when we pray, We say in our hearts, oh Lord, and help me to help me to do your will. 
on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, this eliminates some of those prayers that can be trouble, troublesome. Uh, like James wrote about, he said, while well, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Give us each day our daily bread. Now, was Jesus just talking about bread? No. The bread and the corn on the cob and the brats. And not just food, but all the daily necessities of life because as God's people, we acknowledge our dependence on God for these things. And so we trust Him. We pray trusting Him, and we trust Him to provide them one day at a time. Now, it's nice, I mean, we're all glad if He gave you a big freezer full of stuff for backup. But you don't need that in order to trust God for your daily bread, do you? And we pray, give us our daily bread. Not give me. There's, there's something, something out of order, isn't there, when we begin to get so concerned about ourselves that we miss everybody else and we end up sounding like the old man in a prayer meeting who said, bless me, Lord, my wife. My son John, his wife, us four, no more. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. Are we entitled to God's goodness because we're so great and grand and wonderful? I don't think so. 